When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of The Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week, we're joined by author, comedian, and former battle rapper, Jensen Karp. This episode of The Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick is presented by SeatGeek, the perfect place to buy and sell tickets. This episode is also brought to you by SoFi. If you have student debt, look them up. Refinancing your student loans with SoFi saves an average of $19,000, plus gets you free access to their entrepreneur program. Visit SOFI.com to learn more. Terms and conditions apply at SOFI.com slash legal. And we're also brought to you by Mack Weldon. Guys, if you listen to this podcast, you have heard me talk about Mack Weldon. And I have to tell you, whatever you're wearing right now, Mack Weldon is better. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershorts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. And Mack Weldon wants you to be comfortable, so if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. They aren't just comfortable, Mack Weldon looks good and it performs well too. It's good for everyday life, going to work, going on dates, and working out. All their products are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. Go to MackWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code JJ. Easy shopping, great customer service, good looking, Super comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, and hoodies. That's MacWeldon.com. 20% off using promo code JJ. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, JJ Reddick. Welcome back to the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week is going to be a little bit different. You know, normally I have basketball guests on. We've had some other guests from different sports. So for the casual NBA fan, you may not be familiar with this week's guest. But this week's guest is Jensen Karp. His short, actually very long bio reads, podcaster, writer, comedian, art gallery owner, and former rapper. That, is, that is so crazy. Just even hearing you say it, I'm like, I hate that guy. Like, I literally am like, pick a job, but I genuinely like those things, so it's good. We'll get into it, but just so up front, everyone knows your rap uh, name was Hot Carl. That's right. I, I, for years of my life, went by the moniker Hot Carl on purpose. Not <laughs> not on, not totally give... I gave myself that name like an idiot, and it's, it's a slang term for pooping on someone's chest, <laughs> which, is, which is a great name for battle rapping, because that's basically what you do in every situation, right. but not a good name when you realize your grandmother is going to bring it up when you get a record deal. Right, yeah. right. That, that totally makes sense. <laughs> uh, so you wrote, you wrote a book. It's, it's a memoir. Yes. And it's coming out, uh, I believe, in June 7th. Yeah, June next 7th, week. Yeah. Next week. Yeah. Very exciting. The, the, the title of the book is Kanye West Owes Me $300. And other true stories from a white rapper 
who almost made it big. Did you think about going with maybe a longer title? Well, you know, I figured, <laughs> I, figured I wanted it to just roll off the tongue. Oh, yeah. So we went with a lot of ideas, and this is the one we stuck with. Yeah. Okay. But I hope people just go, Kanye West owes me $300 yeah. for many reasons. But well, I, I get why you did it. It's yeah. like, Kanye West. Well, they don't want, I don't want them to think the book is right. about Kanye owing. Like, there's 300 pages about me yeah. getting owed $300. Right. And then it says Jensen Carp, and then in very, very small print, Formerly known as Hot Carl. That's sort of just again so that I don't get the moniker for the rest of my life. Like that is, it's, oh, I have it tattooed on my wrists. It's yeah. H and K is tattooed on my wrist. And I don't regret them, but I definitely tell people it's my mom's initials, which oh, they like are. That. Yeah. I like that. It's I safer like that. now. I, I'm going to ask you how you came up with the moniker Hot Carl. So please explain. Okay. All right. All right. Here it is. I, I entered a radio contest. I, I've been a rap fan my whole life. I grew up in Woodland Hills, California, which uh, has no minorities in it. Let's just be blatantly honest. They, I live next to a town called Calabasas, which people know as the uh, where the Kardashians live. But people called it Calablacklist. Like that's, and no one knew hip hop. So most of my childhood, I was super into it. And around 19 years old, I entered a radio contest in LA, which was a rap battle. And every day you got on the phone and you'd battle against three or four other guys. Uh, and the champion before me had 10 days. I look like an accountant. I look like if J.J. Abrams was like, I want to be more Jewish. <laughs> like, I don't know why he'd say that, but now that's that what I look like. Now that you mention it, you yeah. really do look like J.J. Abrams. Yeah, if he was like at Temple. A bearded J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah, that's what I look like. And you would not expect me to be a good rapper. I'm a very good battle rapper. So the champion before me won 10 days. I won 43 in a row. Uh, I became sort of like this weird L.A. radio phenomenon. Uh, and when they asked me my name on day one, I spaced. I just lost. I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say Jensen if I messed up, then everyone would know and I'd be ridiculed for the rest of my life. So instead, I picked a name that I would be ridiculed about for the rest of my life. And I just said, Ha Carl. I heard it once before in college. I thought it would be funny. And that's it. And then I signed a million dollar record deal the day I walked off the radio contest. (laughs) (laughs) The joke bit became a Uh, real life job. Yeah, That's actually pretty amazing. I want to go back to your early days. Yeah. You mentioned Calabasas. There's a line from the book that I particularly liked. <laughs> All right. So you you actually lived in Woodland Hills Next and door. went to high school in Calabasas. Yeah. And and this is a line from the book when comparing Calabasas and, and Woodland Hills. It says, "Look at it this way: If Calabasas is Mark Wahlberg, I grew up in his brother Donnie." <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. I would have. I mean, you know, basketball players move into my into Calabasas all the time. You've yeah. visited so many players, I'm sure. It's like a weird thing where one city has all these guard gated mansions, and then you're one city down, and we we all like hang out at Winchell's Donuts on our bikes. It's just two different vibes, uh, and and that was sort of where I lived. I lived on the side looking into these guard gated communities. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on uh, was not to talk about the NBA Finals. All right. Because it's it's brutal for me right now. I feel like that's all I've been talking about. Uh, but we do want to talk about your book, which I'm, I'm about halfway through. Yes. Um, but the real reason is along the way here, like seven years in now, I've been dropping these little nuggets yeah. about about rapping. Yeah, you're and, like and you're my, like the TV show Lost. Like yeah. you know how Lost everyone's gonna be like, there may be a hatch, and then they don't <laughs> yeah. talk about it for ten more episodes, right. and then you see the hatch, and you're like, holy shit! Yeah, you did that. You won one podcast, and I tweeted you yeah. one podcast. You just went when I was a rapper. Anyway, basketball, <laughs> basketball, basketball, and I my mind exploded. Yeah. So I'm gonna hash out. Please. We're gonna we're gonna talk about it. We're yes. just gonna just lay it all on the line. There will be no detail that <laughs> that I will not share today about my my days of rapping and, and writing lyrics. Well, we know you um, rapped over an Anderson beat. Yeah, I did. <laughs> a hot and Anderson And I shared beat. a single bar, which it was, was pretty, pretty incredible. <laughs> Flames. 
So I grew up, I'm a little bit younger than you, mm-hmm. but the fir- very first rap song that I ever remember was Warren G. Regulators. Sure. And you mentioned that song in your book is kind of one of the hot songs when you were growing up as well. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting about that song is I grew up in a very Christian, conservative household, and I was coming back from an AAU tournament. And a buddy of mine, his parents had one of those station wagons where the, the back seat faced in, into the reverse. Yep, yeah, yeah. And we were listening to his Walkman, and he's like, dude, you got to hear this Warren G song. And I was like, who's Warren G? <laughs> right. And he's like, you got to hear it. And I listened to it. And I mean, I, first of all, I was eye-opening the lyrics. I was yeah. like, holy shit. Also, I wasn't like, holy shit. I was probably like, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like Jeepers. <laughs> yeah. Jeepers. But I, I was like immediately... I was immediately hooked. And and you you kind of tell a similar story in your yeah. book, but talk about your your early days of rapping at bar mitzvahs. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, by the way, what an intro to say rapping at bar mitzvahs. Uh, I, I listened to everything. My cousin had played me something very early. He played me like uh, UTFO and Houdini and Third Bass and a bunch of records that I just connected with immediately. My whole town loved like Sepultura and Metallica. My high school would eventually give us Linkin Park, Incubus, and Hoobastank within a three-year <laughs> radius. We had a real rock and roll channel over at our, at our high school. And so I was really the only person rapping. And so... Uh, I did a third grade talent show, UB Illin. I did Run DMC, UB Illin. <laughs> a teacher walked up to my mother and said, what is this? Uh, that's the kind of reaction it was getting. And so uh, I just stayed with it, man. I, I got bullied in middle school for doing it. I like just loved it so much. And it was before like you know, Nelly started selling Sprite on commercial. It was just like before it blew up. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I would rap and at a bar mitzvah, that was the one safe place you could go in my town. <laughs> like it was a bar and bat mitzvah you could go and they would play hip hop there. Yeah. Like no parties playing it. And so DJs would play it and I would mimic the words because I knew every fucking word. I knew every, Black Sheep comes on. I know every single breath, let alone word. And he, guy comes up to me, he goes, if I give you the microphone, will you rap into it? And I was like, yeah, for many <laughs> reasons. One of them being, I don't know how not to get bullied. Yeah. So I was like, sure, if you want, kids will hate me more. Yeah, absolutely. And so they gave me the mic and I rapped and the guy was like, uh, where are your parents? I was like, they're <laughs> over there. And this dude was, was like, I want to manage him as a rapper. I'm 12. And he was like, I want to manage him as a rapper. And my parents like assume he's a pedophile. Uh, and then, and then I ended up, he ended up helping me and another kid from my middle school, Ricky, like the only black kid in my whole middle school. We had a rap group that we talked about once at a pep rally. And that guy at this bar mitzvah ended up grooming us to a point where we were managed by ice T's rhyme syndicate at 12 years old. <laughs> um, and it was another one of those kind of radio contest forced gump moments for me where this weird white kid turns into sort of a hip hop history story. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. The yeah. Forrest Gump aspect. The Forrest Gump and hip hop. Like, reading your book, it's yeah. like you have these connections with all these incredible names and artists, uh, especially in the '90s. At least you know I'm only I'm only up to like 2001 in the book. Right. Same as my parents; they haven't yeah. finished it yet either. So, <laughs> but so how did you go then? So you're rapping at bar mitzvahs. Yeah. You're, you're you're probably writing lyrics at this point. Yeah, all the time. I have no beats, but I'm writing okay. diss so, lyrics, mostly battle okay. lyrics. So yeah. that's that's my question. So you yeah. go from being like this, uh, you know, kind of circus show yeah. to like a battle rapper, yeah. and now you're going to clubs. Like, how, how, what was that transformation? I'm so confused. It's fine. I yeah. loved because I love comedy. That's where yeah. I make a living in now. And and I always was influenced by Don Rickles as much as I was like Tim Dog or or Easy E. Like I just really appreciated comedy, so it was an easy way for me to to sort of meld the two worlds. And I knew that a white kid, like like the way that Woody Harrelson is in White Men Can't Jump. You know what I mean? Like, you don't expect Woody to jump out there and beat you 
You know what I mean? And that's how I felt I was. Like, sure, I showed up and I looked like an accountant, but like, <laughs> as soon as as soon as you gave me a microphone, I will destroy you and all of your friends. Uh, and that was that was what I liked most about battling, and that's what I connected with most in hip hop. I'm going to interject something about my yeah. own story. Here. Please. Um, I so in AAU. I think it was partly because I was obsessed with rap music, but also as like a means to fit in. Because a lot of the AU teams I played on, I was the only white kid. Yeah, yeah. we and, have a connection in that right. way. Yeah. And so I would definitely like freestyle. You know, we're, we're on the road, we're in, ho- we're in hotel rooms, guys would get together and we'd freestyle and I would participate. Yes. And then as my high school career kind of went, you know, along, I would like battle rap. I'd be at AU camps you know tournaments and i would be in hotel rooms battle rapping other guys from around the country is there anyone who could just come forward and say they battled jj reddick could anyone just please somehow send in a letter i was trying to think of some specific guys that i i rapped against i don't know if you remember melvin scott he played at unc Mm -mm. he was on their national championship team in 2005 he was from baltimore could he could he spit he was okay, but yeah. I definitely, I, I crushed him. I crushed him. Shots, shots fired. <laughs> shots fired, Melvin. We got you. And then when I went to college, um, as a side story, I was in, it was in a, we weren't allowed to be in fraternities, so I was in this small group of athletes. There was like Called nine, the Wu-Tang Clan. No, there was nine of us. <laughs> and, the same as Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> and, and we were, we, we gave ourselves the name PDF. I drink a 40. Oh, man. Oh, man. That is a terrible and, we, and great rap name coming from a guy named Hawk uh Yeah, we had we had t-shirts made. Oh, Lord. Um, with five drink a 40 on the front. We had hoodies, sweatpants, uh, hats. Were you the best rhymer from PDF? And everyone got a number. Uh-huh. And I can't remember what number I was. I think I was number eight out of the nine. And okay. everybody got a number. And we had our, our nicknames on the back of all, our, all of our shirts and hoodies. And mine was J-Red. So that was kind of like my rap name. Great. But when we would get together... This is early in my college career, so I'm not afraid to admit this. But when we get together, we would we would like play beer pong, sure, and then we'd go outside and form a cipher oh, and then battle rap this, each other. This, this, honestly, there's not many things I would pay a million dollars to see. <laughs> the, the JJ Reddick drunk freestyle cipher oh, might be a top God. five for me. I th- one night it ended in Chris Duhon taking a swing at me. Oh, so it, you know, it, but one of the things you mentioned in your book, and I really can relate to this, is like in a battle rap, yeah. You know, you're you're pretty much allowed to say whatever you want to say. That's my opinion. But you can see the Duhon punch also <laughs> many times. That has happened to me as well. It's like I don't like I don't care. Like if, if they know as dark as it is, if they know my dad is dead, I am totally fine with you making a joke about it. Like, I, I, but I know that like I'm going into it. Like I know that decisions I've made, people I've dated when I go into battles, I know those are open. Yeah. And Any, so that's... Anything's on the table. That's it, man. I mean, some people don't believe kids or wives or whatever. I don't play that game. Maybe it's because I have neither, but... You told a story in your book about battle rapping a guy named Frog. Yeah, at from a party. School, yeah. Please tell that story. Frog was a guy who grew up in a city school near us. Uh, he was extremely well-regarded as a rapper. And, and me, I was sort of searching for those people. I would drive on weekends to like far side shows at the house of blues just to do like ciphers just to find somewhere to battle I'd go to house parties in other areas and just find out who's playing hip-hop and seek them out and so frog was someone who came up all the time and he was a tough guy like i had heard stories about frog rapping as much as i heard about frog fighting <laughs> like i had heard one story about him knocking out like four people with one punch it's like one <laughs> of those stories uh, i had heard that he knocked out uh, a guy's teeth uh, and then made sure they were all knocked out, like looked in, it was like one more and just like tapped it. And so I was nervous to an extent, but like I was so focused as a battle rapper. I was like, fuck it. He should believe he should think everything's on the table like I do. 
So we end up at a house party. It was set up that I would, I was going by the name Shucks at the time. I was very bad at picking names. <laughs> Shucks was like an aw shucks, like people expect me right. to be, you know, whatever. And so uh, he, he starts and it's not great. It's decent. It's mediocre. I have been practicing against Frog for months. <laughs> I found out his mother was in the Let Me Ride video, the Dr. Dre video. Like <laughs> it was, I was not, it was bad. Uh, not good news for Frog. Uh, and so he accepts the loss, just handshakes me. And like is like congrats, and I was like what? what? <laughs> and then I watched him leave the party, and I was like, what? I just conquered this guy. This is so amazing. And uh, people would come up to me and be like, I can't believe you beat Frog so easily. I was like, me too. And he was so humble and what a nice <laughs> man. It's like so excited. What a what a decent human. Uh, and then as I'm talking to someone, he's like, you know what I liked when you said. And then I just notice out the corner of my eye, I just see a guy walk <laughs> back into the party wearing a, like a Jason mask, <laughs> like a like a serial killer mask holding a machete but like not in like a where are you i'm gonna kill you way in a very like stalkery like no rush way which i think is if you're a serial killer it's it's scarier to be not in a rush like i could do this whenever i want it wasn't rage it was no psychopathic psychopathic (laughs) no rage and so i just sort of was like hey man uh is this your house and he's like yeah i was like is there another exit and he was like oh yeah yeah i'll go through the front and i figured if they knew i was rushing from frog if i ever had to rematch me be like and then i showed up with a machete and you weren't ready like i was like i don't so i just slowly I slowly walked out and then went. I, I walked at least a mile to a supermarket as like a Jewish 15-year-old white kid. I walked to like an Alpha Beta supermarket, called my mom from a payphone and was like, come get me. Uh, and I was, you know, a very cool rapper, but a very uncool, scared kid. The way it's written in the book, yeah. uh, similar to how you just told the story. I mean, I, I'm literally laughing out loud at some of the stuff in the <laughs> book. I, there's a few lines that I that I highlighted in, in, in particular you you talk about your first manager and yeah. and your kind of interactions with him and and one of the things you said was the only rule i was adamant about as the duo's main songwriter was that demetrius couldn't give any input or critique on our lyrical content it's a demand that seemed rather pretentious for a 12 year old but i always knew my words were important <laughs> yeah and I, I and dude and, and, and the crazy part is like the editor like when i wrote as a 12 year old, I wrote really postmodernly, which you'll see there's lyrics in there. And so like, I would talk about like, like we made a song against another bad creation, the rap Mm. group that made uh, chill at the playground. And also, uh, Aisha, which was a hit song. I wrote a song where I was like, Aisha had her. She's nothing. Like I was talking about fucking Aisha at 12. (laughs) I was like, you know, I, I like, and, and the editor was like, I can't believe that you would write. I was like, no, I knew how important words were. Mm-hmm. I always have known that certain specific wording, uh, where it comes from, the source in which it comes from, all that stuff is so important that I know that it controls the way you react. If you're now 10 to 15 minutes into this podcast, you realize this is probably a not safe for work podcast. <laughs> right, that's true. Also <laughs> so, that, also yeah. that. So please listen to this with headphones on. <laughs> exactly. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. All right, as you guys know, SoFi supports this podcast. So I'm going to talk with SoFi member Kevin Flamia, founder of menswear brand RFM. Kevin refinanced his student loans with SoFi and by doing so got access to their entrepreneur program, which helped Kevin launch his business. Kevin, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. What company or business person do you admire the most? There's so many different guys, but I think honestly, Mark Wahlberg. I think he's done everything that he kind of set out to do, and he executed phenomenally from being in the spotlight, kind of being a musician, model, XYZ, actor, to doing everything behind the scenes and thinking about how do you build something larger than just yourself. I really admire him. Where do you see yourself 
in the next 10 years, both on a personal and professional level? I really like building things. I think having a, a tangible deliverable at the end of the day is, is super rewarding. I don't know where that venture will go you know, down the road, but I think that's kind of going to be the common theme throughout. All good stuff, man. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. You brought up your, your mom and calling your mom from a, a pay station after getting stalked by yeah. a frog. Yep. Oh, I'm frog. very curious, and you talk about it in your book, but I'm, I really am curious about your parents' reaction <laughs> yeah. to uh, this world that you were in, and specifically, how much awareness do they have of your early years, and how, how much do they know that this was going on, where you were going all over Los Angeles, yeah. basically looking to battle rap to random, random people. To embarrass strangers. That's yeah. what I was looking to do. Yeah. Uh, my parents were super supportive. I, I, I grew up in the exact house you think I grew up in, two sort of neuroticish parents. Uh, and and my, mo- my mother was always sort of musical, and my father was very supportive and business-minded, and both of them saw that I had a talent that I couldn't really hide. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved hip-hop so much, and I was good at rapping. So um, they were both really supportive, and they were my two biggest fans. But yes, they found it very weird dropping me off at Donald D. and ice T studio when I was 12. Like, my mom would stay the whole time just because she felt so weird about it. Mm-hmm. Like, Donald D. was our manager, who's like, you know, five obscure hip-hop fans just freaked out on your podcast. But he was like our manager when we were 12. And uh, he was like, yo, your mom doesn't have to come every time. And I was like, well, she kind of does because she thinks it's weird. And so eventually, she was like, I'm going to go get you guys in and out Burger. Do you guys want something? And uh, Donald's like, yeah, I'll get this. And everyone's all excited. And then she left. And she's like, make sure everything's okay. And Donald's like, I got him. Don't worry. And then while she was gone, which at tops was 20 minutes, uh, someone showed me a gun. <laughs> and then Donald taught me how to put on a condom. <laughs> that, that happened in the 20 minutes my mom left. So oh, I got her, her nerves. But she's been my biggest fan, both of them. You got some success and notoriety from specifically battle rapping. Yeah. I kind of remember growing up and there being like battle raps on some of the local radio stations in Virginia. I believe there was one out of Greensboro, North Carolina that would weekly kind of host battle raps. But that's essentially where you gained your notoriety. You mentioned that's also where you came up with your moniker, Hot Carl. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I'm at the point in the book now where you, you have this string of success as a battle rapper and now you're getting approached by labels yeah. and by managers and by people in the in the music world. So what, what happened? happened? Well, here's the <laughs> well, thing. Well, hold on one second though, too. But let me just also say I want to mention this too. This is all going on at the same time that that Eminem. He's yeah. like Eminem is like the you know Vanilla Ice doesn't count. No offense no. to Vanilla Ice, but no. he doesn't count. Eminem was the first credibly incredible credible lyricist white, white dude. Yeah, yeah I mean exactly. there was there was third base and MC Search. There were things that happened yeah. in the past, but as far as commercial hip hop, commercial he was the first mainstream. Guy. Yeah. yeah, at least yeah. credible. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah, I I go off this. Uh, what if I was like, and then, and then I, I did well, I was trying to think of a great ending for you. Like I killed three people. I served four months in jail. Um, no, I end up getting a record deal for a million dollars at Interscope. Jimmy Iovine hands me way too much money. Uh, I get how a, old were you at this I time? I was 19. Okay. Yeah. Well, there were other people trying to sign me like Mac 10, who's this sort of gangster oh, rapper. Mac 10, yeah. He's incredible. Sure. He uh, heard me on the radio and came to my parents' house in Woodland Hills, <laughs> called, found, got my number, called my parents' house, said, uh, can I come over? I was like, absolutely. And he shows up with $50,000 in a briefcase, uh, puts it on my table, like five feet from where I used to watch Sesame Street as a kid, <laughs> opened it up and was like, I'll, this is just the start. you know. And then I knew it was a business. 
Like that was the first, I didn't take the money. I didn't take the deal. Um, but then came the Interscope money. I recorded an album with that. I recorded with Redman, Fabulous, DJ Quick, Maya, DJ Clue, uh, Sugar Ray, which is the not so impressive <laughs> name. Uh, and then a young Kanye West. I was given a beat CD from a, from a manager that was like, this kid's going to be big. I was like, yes, he is, uh, you know, for production, not for rapping. And so we worked on two songs together and became really close friends during that time. And then, uh, I finished a record. I had pretty much my heroes on it. They spent way too much money making it. And then at the last minute, uh, Interscope records could not put out the album because of scheduling conflicts, which is still one of the like strangest Mm -hmm. stories in in the music industry. Were you proud of your record? Uh, Did you think it was good? I thought it was good. I don't think it's great. I mean, but then again, I'm listening to it in 2016. Yeah. I recorded yeah. it in 2000. So I, I yeah. highly doubt anything in 2000 <laughs> yeah. still sounds great. But I mean, I knew that we were onto something. I always have sounded like this. I don't put an affection on my voice. I yeah. dress in jeans and a t-shirt my whole yeah. life. So like hip hop didn't have that yet. Yeah. It was, everyone had to sort of fit one formula, which is what we always have known as hip hop. Sure. And nowadays it would be weird if someone did dress in like jewelry and a hooded sweater like no one does that it's 2016 and i was just being myself so hearing a voice that sounds like this having a rapper that looks like rachel maddow like those things were a problem and so i didn't fit in that way and interscope also had something else going on obviously with eminem blowing up and it wasn't a safe spot for them to put out an album from really any white rapper which you saw also with bubba sparks who i was a big fan of and a bunch of people who i was signed with didn't we didn't get the marketing money we deserved bubba sparks could kill he could rap that one song. Ugly? But yo, the yeah. second record, Deliverance, is Deliverance. better. Deliverance. It's better. That's, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a hot record. And, and Interscope threw that in the trash. As I'm reading the book, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back to sort of, you know, being in high school and college and being in class and just like constantly scribbling lyrics. Go on, J.J. <laughs> <Yeah>. Reddick. <laughs> and I had on. actually, I, at the, uh, I believe during Christmas break, my freshman year, I bought a leather, a leather-bound journal. Oh, and it was a big purchase for me. Uh-huh. And uh, I, January 1st, 2003, and I, st- I just started logging lyrics in this book. <clears throat> and I did it for, I believe, four or five years. And I just, everything was just dated. So that was the date, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometime in 2007, that book of lyrics, that book of rhymes, yes. was stolen. Shut up. Or yeah, I lost it, but I'm, I have some suspicions as to who, who Is stole it, it. Did g Easy steal it <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and start a career based on J.J. Reddick lyrics? Macklemore? Is Macklemore the J.J. Reddick we need? I'm ghostwriting for Macklemore. <laughs> no, I wish I could have it, but at the same time, I'm hoping it's at the bottom of a landfill. Who do you, who Part do you, of me hopes it's at the bottom of a Who landfill. do you think stole? You said you have a feeling. You don't have to say who it is, but like, what, what does this person do for a living? There's a couple options yeah. as to whom stole it. Okay. And in terms of when and where I was and the last time I really remember, because I used to keep it in my desk and there's, there's a person that I think maybe stole it out of my desk in my house. Oh. And then there's another time uh, where I don't really want to get into it. Sure. But there's, I was in a, a public space where I think you know, someone may have uh, some jacked it. But the thing is like, I mean, if that thing ever came out, like there's some stuff in there that I'm like, Whoa, dude, we have eight dudes that are ready to take down. PDF is ready to take down whoever stole this book for you. I will help them. I will become the 10th member of PDF. I will do it for you if we can find out who stole this book. So, but what I was getting at is, you know, so you're writing lyrics, you're writing battle raps, but battle rapping and and sort of writing bars or whatever Mm -hmm. is totally different than creating a coherent song with a hook. Totally. 
Was that a huge challenge for you? Yeah, it's a challenge for everyone who's good yeah. at battle rap. And so that, if you say like, do I like my record looking back now? I definitely do for a battle rapper because yeah. we have a harder time because it's like our focus is purely on making fun of your parents and your teeth and your hair. Like we, I don't think in Hook and 16 for a long time. And so getting the record deal, I had to show that I had a couple songs, actual songs under my belt. And I felt I did. And that's how I got the money. But there are names that I could rattle off for 5,000 years. Most battle rappers have never actually made it. Yeah. Even no matter how good they are, how, you know, I came up with a guy named Jin, uh, who conquered 106 in Park. He was an Asian dude, signed to Rough Riders. And like, no one took him serious, like, because they are used to just him battling. And nowadays, you go to these YouTube channels like King of the Dot yep. and uh, Don't Flop and, uh, you know, uh, Smack and all these great places where the battle raps are incredible. But like, those dudes can't make songs. It's just a weird transitional wall that most of them do. And, and it's kind of a long tradition of it, too. We have a couple guys I noticed this year on flights that I don't know what exactly it's called, but there's a uh, there's an, a big battle rap event and they just watch Smack, yeah, yeah, they They're just watch good. it like for hours. They on should because the it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, and every now and then they'll chuckle or laugh <laughs> or throw their fists up in the air with their, their stuff on. Do they? But they don't know about that JJ Reddick book. <laughs> no, they they don't. don't know about that book. So. I want to talk about one of my favorite battle rappers and who never, never found commercial success, but was probably in my eyes, like one of the greatest rappers ever. And that was cannabis. The great, I mean, second round knockout is what (laughs) my my whole body is made off of the lyrics from second round. It is, it still makes me super happy when it comes on the radio, but he is a perfect example, a perfect example of a guy who had, he's just one of the greatest lyricists ever. And we heard Second Round Knockout, which was a diss song against uh, LL Cool J. Yeah, LL cool and it was scathing. Like one of the meanest <laughs> things you've ever... He talks about his wife. He talks about crazy stuff in that song. And everyone was really excited for the album. He he had Wyclef executive produce it. It came out and everyone was like, oh, this sucks. This isn't good. Because you also like... I have a theory that like he's a very scientific rapper, technician, living to... You know, he's like yeah. very... Like, everything's like, yeah. you know, the metaphysics of the solar system living in my okay. visions. Are you Was talking that who you are? Poet Laureate? I know Poet the, Laureate. Please. The I could, song? Yes. Oh, my God. I, I know all those songs. Please. So I, I'm not going to lie. I still, every now and then... 2000 when BC? I'm, when I'm driving in LA, I'll yeah. put on Poet Laureate and I'll rap the whole song. Oh, that's like my dream to pull up through. alongside JJ Reddick. You roll down the window and rapping along to cannabis. I do it occasionally with my wife too, where oh. she's in the car with me and she's like, I don't even know you. So, so good. <laughs> so good. But the problem is, is like, we like that. Like we like yeah. the technician, but like, it's very hard to put on a song at the club where he's breaking down the definition of math. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I don't need to hear that. Like Razkaz was very similar. What is the maximum spatial glaciation, the ocean basin effect in the earth's population you're like, like what like what if, if nobody I want, wants to dance to that if i wanted to go to school i would go to school cannabis yeah. i don't need you being my teacher and that was like the feeling that people got and like me and you we were like what is he doing yeah, yeah. this is incredible and then every all the girls in our school were like please make the nerd stop rapping right uh and so yeah we we are very word wordy wordsmith technicians yeah. and that and cannabis fell to the same victim it's interesting to me because eminem to an extent i i talk about this with my teammates like in terms of straight lyrics and and manipulating words, yeah, I don't know that there's ever been a better person, a better rapper than Eminem. He's and, very good, and he's so what, he's sold more records than any rapper. Maybe he, he's, he's, up, he's there. up there. He's yeah. up there. Yeah, and it's so it's surprising to me. And maybe initially it was like it was almost like a um, 
I'm, I'm searching for a word here, but, uh, you know, novelty. He came out as sort of Gimmick, a novelty, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and that's maybe why he had success. But he was incredible. He was. And the issue with M for me is, like, when you're talking top five, his name has to come up, obviously. Yeah. But he's had a pretty bad projection over time. Like, <laughs> like the, you know, he had these these periods of time where he obviously had some sort of personal issue where songs were like, yeah. he was like, triumph the insult dog while rapping. And that was, like, for real as a character he took on. So I just think that he went from sort of this very prolific very smart rapper and now is just sort of like a gymnast his you know like his lyrics are very they can do flips and they could do whatever but they don't he's not really saying anything anymore and that's why i put jay-z above him for sure sure i think that's a great point yeah and as you as i've gotten older at least and i even go back and listen to eminem's early records <laughs> i think to myself is he actually saying anything and here? if he is saying something and if he is saying something is it misogynist and homophobic yeah, because you know when yeah. you look back it's like he's got a grown child he has a woman his yeah. Haley's a woman yeah. she's in college she's like it's 8 20 or something yeah. it's like he's still rapping about like christopher reeves in a wheelchair he's still rapping about like dumb bitch with the blah blah it's like dude yeah. calm down it's 2016 we all we have kids man you're a 40 year old man and that's i think that lack of growth is what a lot of people sense from him as to why he's not in the discussion as much as some of the other guys your teammates might bring up yeah in terms of the effect on culture and society and Speaking on really important social uh, issues, I don't think anybody does it better than maybe Jay Z or Nas. Yeah, or, I, mean, these guys I, are, I love to live qualities and Quelly, Sure, yeah. these guys are legends. These yeah. these are people that you know. Like when you heard Stan the first time, yeah. I remember being like, "Oh man!" Because that was when I was like trying to build my career. I was like, "Well, my career is over." If I heard these songs he does now, I'd be like, oh, he's just a good rapper. And then the hooks are by Rihanna or whatever. It's like, they're cool. It's just like like me and you grew up listening to Feral Munch and pe- people that would like <laughs> yeah. blow our minds, like the sound bombing CD. Yeah, yeah. Like these are things we would listen to and be like, oh my God, I, I, this is something I've never heard before. And that's lacking, I think. Jensen is a sports fan. Sometimes you may have an issue getting seats for tickets to great games, especially for a good price. That's why the best place to go when you need tickets is SeatGeek. I'm telling you, it's the only place I ever go to buy tickets to a game or concert. You'd be crazy not to try it. I mean, there's virtually no hassle in getting the exact seats you want. And it's pretty cool how they do it, too. They pull all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming events. And they'll let you know if ticket prices fall. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is ranked based on value, so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. See what I mean? Easy and painless. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I use it all the time because it's simple and it works. And best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. They show you the full ticket price from start to finish and never try to trick you with huge fees on the checkout page. Now, pay attention to this next part because it's really important. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. And to get it, all you have to do is this. Download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Then enter promo code JJ. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It doesn't get any easier. So go support them like they support this podcast. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. All right, let's get back to our guest, Jensen Karp. What is your opinion right now of rap music? So I, before you answer, I just want to say, like, I, I probably from 1994 to about 2008 predominantly listened to rap music. And sure. That was it. And I went through periods where I'd go a year or two years where it was only rap. Right. 
and well, I, that's what I was going to ask you. Like yeah. when you hear like but now it's different. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. when you when you're warming up and you hear like future, like commas, <laughs> you know, like when you hear. Yeah. Uh, or or Fetty Wap or these songs that don't connect with you because you like sort of old school hip hop. Yeah. Like, but don't you get used to them because you hear them in every arena and then you're like at home and you're like, oh, I like this one. Catchy. Yeah. It's it's, it's repetitive. It is catchy. Yeah. Um, it's just different. And so I back in like 2008, my brother kind of he introduced me to Kings of Leon. Okay. Everybody has an opinion on them. I think they're great. Whatever. It's a good rock band. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Rock, great rock band. Yeah. They're one of the biggest rock bands in the world. Sure. But that you know sort of. Uh, introduction to the alternative rock world uh sparked something in me and so i've gone down that road and you know we've talked about some of the the bands that i like on this podcast before i love silver sun pickups yep. you know who are from here in la so that's predominantly what i listen to now and it's 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 almost difficult for me to listen to current rappers not because necessarily the songs are bad or i don't like the beats or i don't like the hooks but you know, it's the, in terms of like actually spitting bars, like yeah. who's doing that right now? Very little. You have to be about our age and white or like even just our age in general to be like, where's where's Royce the five nine? <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? like, yeah, there's only a handful of people asking for lyrics. Yeah. And so it's 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 a very specific genre and people are still doing it. And there are some groups coming out like one out of L.A. called Villain Park and Action Bronson and Earl Sweatshirt. And there are names of people that are that are focusing on lyrics. But no, at your stadiums before you're going to play at the arenas, you're going to hear Future and, and Fetty Wap and things that don't necessarily connect with the hip hop we grew up on. So it's just a different style if you're into lyrics. And it's about an, it's an age thing more than anything like the kids but, but, nowadays don't want to hear lyrics they're bored <laughs> imagine but do you think that's just like I, I i guess i'm a millennial but i don't i don't really think of myself as a millennial i think millennials is maybe a little bit younger you don't have like, like a, when do you think when do you think that change occurred and why do you think that change occurred i think that we were raised on a specific music we were raised on tribe and busta and and a specific genre of music God, and it see it, it makes me feel that way too and yeah. but the way the music developed is not for us. And now it's crazy because hip hop has been around long enough to say it's still hot, but there are different divisions. We we came up listening to lyrics. These kids are into like sort of that swag beat stuff, which I like, but I feel very old while listening to it. Like I definitely feel like the oldest man in the room. And I think that's what you're missing is that you don't like, but also like, are you going to really be able to work out with cannabis talking about the science of sand? You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to know how many molecules of sand, you know, like, and that was what he was talking about. So I think times have changed and now we just have to wear our headphones more often when you're listening to a a true lyricist per se. Uh, That's so funny. It's not, I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not knocking. No, I actually enjoy the music and Austin Rivers, he, you know, he, he listens to all the, all the good stuff now. So I'm always going to him in the locker room. Like, all right, what's hot in the streets? Give me a couple songs to listen to. I need, I need something new. Uh, He's your mixtape hookup. (laughs) Austin Rivers is the funk flex. I can only listen to Jay-Z, the blueprint so many times. (laughs) That is made for you. I, there are, I will send you a handful of tracks of something that melds between some Somewhere, somewhere between Austin Rivers and J.J. Reddick. Hip-hop music right in between the two. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so, interesting anecdote to this podcast. We, we've we been trying to do this now all week. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you actually canceled on me a couple times. I had to. Because of our <laughs> mutual I, friend. I feel yeah. a little better about it. And so, we we booked for this week about a month or so ago. Yeah. Um, 
And during the time, uh, between the time we booked and, and when we were supposed to record, you connected with Ben Winston. From your podcast. From the That's podcast. That's not the reason we hooked up. But when yeah. I walked in, I went, Ben Winston from the podcast. It was yeah. like the weirdest thing he's ever been recognized for. Yeah. And so you're consulting now on the Late Late Show yeah. for a new bit they have called Drop the Mic. Yeah. So I, explain the basic premise of this. Yeah. So I actually pitched this to Ben yeah. and James. And uh, what I wanted to do is have celebrities go head to head in a battle rap and not in a corny way. That's my biggest nightmare is that two like Anna Kendrick, who I like and will kill Drop the Mic. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But I just a lot of people's instinct in television and Hollywood is to like put them in an outfit or like make them say yo, 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 yo or something. Yeah. And that's my nightmare. That's not what hip hop has ever been, let alone in 2016. Yeah. So I convinced them, showed them video of people that are rapping in battle as themselves don't put them in character let them actually try it and james i knew could spit like i knew it Mm -hmm. so um they let me try it and i got a co-writer eliza skinner who i'm so excited about and eliza and i got to write the first one this earlier this week for anne hathaway and james corden and anne hathaway was very excited said she was a rapper uh we wrote lyrics for them and they were both really good rappers (laughs) which i can't believe happened and so it went viral um that was on wednesday and came out of nowhere and then we ended up doing it or that was on tuesday then we ended up doing it again yesterday with david schwimmer who wanted to do it that was his ass to do it so it was with david david schwimmer versus james corden and then we had rebel wilson as sort of a sneak third verse but this is what i did my whole life i'm doing what i did at 12 but now four celebrities on james's show and i'm really excited about how it's been received it is phenomenal television i'm biased of course because i love ben Mm -hmm. and i love james corden they're great if you haven't seen the clips yet, they're they're all over the web. You yeah. can find them on YouTube. Anne Hathaway, I think, was surprisingly Good. awesome. She was great. And the reason, I think, is because she totally embraced it. Yeah. She, and it wasn't like embracing in the sense of what you're talking about, like, I'm going to play on a bunch of these cliches. No. No, she just, like, embraced the actual spitting of rhymes. Anne Hathaway <laughs> rapped. She yeah. didn't play a rapper. No. Anne Hathaway, the person you know, rapped, and it was great, and, 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 and James spits james knows pockets he understands like the other day when i was i was coaching him a little and he goes so this spot's a little more m than it is you and i was like yeah james yeah it's a little more eminem like he like (laughs) knows styles he knows like he's it's very it's a fun thing for me especially because i had taken which you learned at the end of the book i had taken years off of rap so this is a really fun way for me to sort of go back in and and be able to write very mean things about celebrities (laughs) they're very mean i i actually ran into james last night yes and told him that if he ever wants me on, I will battle him. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! So this is it. We have to have a Clippers. We're, we're going to see team battle. Are we? That would be amazing. Who else spits on the team? You know, I have no idea. I Do you know no anyone idea. who's ever messed around? Well, I, I don't know. Do you know Damian Lillard? Yeah, please. Is like he can incredible. rap. Incredible. Well, He's incredible. okay. So let's play this game. NBA best rappers. So we have to throw Shumpert in. Shumpert? Yeah, he can Shump rap. can rap. Yeah. L- I wasn't a huge fan of his music video that came out. No, it wasn't good. Wasn't <laughs> I don't good. know how appropriate that no, was. The mixtape is good. The <laughs> yeah. video is not good. So we got Lillard. We got Shump. We have... Uh, who else can we throw in the mix here? Well, Lillard, did you like his rap on that Hooper's commercial? I know they didn't let him kick but he's I mean, good on the adidas commercial or whatever or the the shoe yeah. commercial i mean he, i've seen some youtube clips of him like when he's with sway yeah it's oh, he killed that it's phenomenal he killed that but then you have to throw in like the greatest of all time to me shaquille o'neal is the best <laughs> oh rapping ba- he is there's not a dude he has a song with the fushnikins jj a song with the fushnikins it's dope what's up doc kills right, i'm gonna not, have to listen to the shack stuff i know okay so i know kobe 
No, put whack. something out. It's whack. It's but whack. He, have you read this? There's this article, and I, I read it years ago, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to quote the specifics of it, but there's this whole article that was written about, uh, and I think it maybe it might have even been an oral history, but it was about his obsession with hip-hop culture and how he used to like drive around the streets of Philadelphia looking to battle rap people. <laughs> I don't know that, <laughs> yes. but I am, now my dream is to get him on Drop the Mic if he thinks he can rap, because I have a lot of Kobe Bryant material. Okay. Uh, he, he, would be, he, he might be... His song be, with Tyra's garbage, though. It's hot garbage. So if, if, if Kobe went on Drop the Mic on James Corden, like, we need to figure out a way to make that happen. I would, I, it's over. He, he doesn't he want the that. Best. No, he doesn't, no, he doesn't, he doesn't want best. to see me. Because I write mostly James, <laughs> yeah, and Eliza right. writes mostly the celebrities. Uh, and so uh, he doesn't want to see me. Kobe don't want me. Chris Webber came out with an Chris Webber rapped, yeah. I think AI did Iverson too. Yeah. rapped. Uh, we're, we're missing Meta World Peace. Meta World Peace. He rapped on a lot of R&B remixes. <laughs> uh, there was a rap album, and I know this will connect with seven people, but there was a rap album that came out in the late 90s called like NBA some it was like it was all rappers yeah. connected with the basketball player so like yeah. Dana Barrows was on that yeah. and like Cedric Sabalos who rapped I remember that. that CD yeah. I did not listen to oh, it I think <laughs> I bought it and listened to it once Cedric Sabalos he, he killed on it and then they did an NFL one with Dion and a bunch of dudes too but yeah there was a lot of hot garbage on that CD alright we're gonna connect to basketball in Please. one second yeah. but but I, there's one more this is something Please. that I just thought of yes in your story in the book about Tyrese, um, <laughs> oh, yeah. you, it's hilarious. I'm going to save that for, for people. You need to read the book. Yeah. I'm, tw- about 20 minutes before uh, Jensen got over to my house today, I, I was you know, reading this chapter about the story about Tyrese, and I was upstairs in my bed, and I was literally gig- giggling. I was giggling. It was it's so great. It was great. a dumb thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, but listen. So one of the things that you said in the book is you used some line that rhymed with you were looking for something that rhymed with beef yeah anyone use, who comes to me better get ready for beef yeah and then you use tyrese as yeah, the punch because i didn't have anything else right so for the casual person yeah who may be reading that they may say well beef and tyrese that doesn't rhyme as a double so rhyme. my question to you is have you ever played the game kings no what's kings it's a drinking game no never by okay. the way is this a pdf original <laughs> did you make no, this no, no. Okay. Every, everybody in college okay. plays this but even like you know as a younger adult you know let's say you're at a cabin in the woods with or other people like you're gonna play kings okay like, it's just a card game oh card game i think i know it yeah, it's like hearts sort of so yeah you, you, we'll, we'll explain it because okay. it's fine yeah again i haven't played this in the last seven years maybe yeah <laughs> let's let's call it PDF. okay i played it last week no, <laughs> all right so it's uh, you put like um what would, it, what would they call it like a pitcher in the middle yep and then there's four kings obviously you, you shuffle the deck and you put all the cards around and then you you draw cards okay there's really not a winner in a game there's a loser if you draw the fourth king you have to drink the pitcher but the pitcher stays full the entire game. You get a king, you you uh, fill the pitcher so, up. And uh, each card, I can't believe you've never played this game. No. Each card has a, a sort of a purpose. Okay. And uh, Queens is a question. So you go around the room and you just ask somebody a question. They ask you a question, you have to ask a question to the next person. Okay. And the first person that last has to drink. Well, nine is a rhyme. Yes. And I get so frustrated playing this game <laughs> right. with the average person. Okay. Because they'll be like, you know... Um, I woke up this morning and I put on socks, right? Right, okay. And I'll use an approximate rhyme. Fine. And they're like, no, that doesn't rhyme. It's got to be fox or clocks or whatever. And I'm like, no, that rhymes. That's, In rap, that rhymes. That's all that rhymes. I've argued before, like people, because it's funny, you're not the first person to bring up that beef and Tyrese don't rhyme. And I was like, <laughs> I, when the first time someone said that, I was like, 
no, idiot. It definitely rhymes. But I to guess me it rhymes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But people don't. I guess they don't see like half rhymes as a thing because like <laughs> that's all I have to live on. Like, I, and I and also like I'll change the way words are said in order to rhyme. So like even if I have to make Tyreef a little eef on the end, uh, <laughs> I will do it because it makes it for a better rhyme. But yeah. I had nothing. It was like well, if you want beef, and the, the only thing that came to mind was I'd rather I'd rather kill myself than have a song with Tyrese. <laughs> and it was on the radio, and it was before yeah. iPods and satellite radio. It was yeah. before any of those things. So everyone heard it and. Tyrese and I had some maybe words on the radio. I don't even know how it went down. Getting back to Eminem, I think he's probably the best in terms of approximate rhyme. He is really good. So is Cameron. Cameron Cameron will rhyme the same word. Shout out Spencer Hawes, who is the biggest fan of Dipset you've ever ever met in your life. Stop it. You just made the hottest line of podcast history that Spencer Hawes is a Cameron Dipset fan. And he just listens to it. He's like, Dipset, Dipset. I swear. And I I think... God, I need to get Spencer on again. But I think at one point in high school, I want to say, Jamal Crawford took him to the Rucker and he got to meet Cameron. And it was oh. like, I, I, I've seen the picture. It's like the greatest <laughs> Wait, moment Jamal, in Spencer's Jamal life. Crawford was friends with Spencer Hawes like it, that young? So Jamal is basically the patriarch of all Seattle yeah. basketball players. Right, right, right. And he runs like taken, the yeah, pro-am team. He's and... taking them all under his wing. See, we're talking about basketball. Yeah. Well, this I mean, we great. got Spencer Hawes. There's a picture of Spencer Hawes and Cameron, which will become a t-shirt at some point if we can get our hands on it. That should be the official t-shirt of the Vertical Podcast. I, if Spencer Hawes and Cameron, and above it, it just says, the Vertical Podcast featuring JJ Reddick. You will sell millions. <laughs> I'll have to talk to Woj and Yahoo about changing my logo. Um, it's either that or him in the Christmas suit. You are a Clippers fan, though. Die Hard. I did the halftime song. I did a halftime song for the Clippers, like, your first year, the halftime song. DJ Dents and I okay, yeah. came up together. Yeah. He was a radio DJ when I was exploding on the radio. Kept in touch. Um, and Dents, when he took over for DJing, he was like, we need a halftime song. I hadn't rapped in a decade. And I was like, I'm such a fan, went in and did it. And uh, it went over really well. They used to play it during the halftime stats, halftime re- I did not know that. Well, I think you were in the back. You, maybe you would come I, out every that, once in a while. That but. was the year that I was hurt half the year. So maybe that's why. Maybe. I maybe I, you're like, I don't I care about I wasn't even at rap. the arena for like most of the game. <laughs> you're like, I have something else Doc to do. Doc was like, stay home. Yeah. Stay home. Um, I don't even remember what my best line in it was. Oh, it was, you know what? Maybe it was your second year. I think it was your second year because my whole thing was that the hook was basically that we're taking down the banners. Okay. So it was your second year. Okay. It was Um, was just about how we're fixing things. So you've had season tickets, but for a brief moment in time, you had a ticket. (laughs) I had one courtside (laughs) ticket once. So you're negotiating with Interscope on your million dollar. uh, Yeah. (laughs) I focused on on one thing. I grew up in my parents. uh, My dad was a car salesman. So like we stood out pretty big in Calabasas. And so when I, I was at NBA diehard my whole life. And so when my uh, father wanted to take me to games, we could not afford Laker games. It's impossible at that, especially then yeah. in showtime. And so uh, we decided we would start spending $6 to sit in the 200 sections of Clipper games. And this is during Manning and every once in a while a player would pop up, but there were years that, you know, shout out to Matt fish. Like there were, there were times that just like we couldn't get anything together. And I would go and love it. I screamed like it was the best team in the NBA. And so when the Interscope deal came, I knew Jimmy Iovine had Lakers courtside tickets because my whole life I would stare at the television like the saddest, poorest man and just go, there's Jimmy Iovine who, you know, signed Dr. Dre. I like knew who he was. And so 
I figured to my lawyer, I said, well, what if we asked for Lakers tickets? Cause I've never been to a game. And he goes, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. He's giving you buy your own Lakers tickets. I go, no, it's like a, you know, it's like a gesture. And so I go ask for seven games, two tickets each. And he's like, you're not getting them. I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> just ask for him. And so the contract comes, he goes, I got you everything you want. You have everything in there. And I, I immediately am like, what are the Lakers tickets though? And he was like, are you kidding? And so I look in the paper and instead of giving me seven games, two seats, they gave me one game, <laughs> one seat. So I went to a Houston Rockets Lakers game courtside, sat next to another Interscope employee who they also gave a ticket to. So it was like the two orphans. Uh, and I wore a Clippers jersey as like a spite, like as a jerk also. But like I, that was my, that's really like one of five Lakers games I've ever been to. Six Lakers games. And I've been to thousands of Clipper games, I think. I would love to have Billy Crystal on the podcast. Please. He's, he said he would come on. So yeah. we're going to try to get him, get him on at some point. And this is a question that I want to ask him yeah. and, and talk about with him. But and Kadeem Hardison. Do you know that he used to come to every game back in the day? No. Dwayne Wade. Remember Dwayne Wayne from yeah, yeah, different yeah. He was our other celebrity fan. Oh, it was Billy Crystal and Kadeem Hardison were the two yeah, I used to see. a little see bit game. different than Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Kadeem's a big deal in my life. <laughs> so... So I'm I'm curious though as a as a Clippers fan as mm-hmm. a lifelong Clippers Die fan hard. It, do you think that there's some sort of Clippers curse I mean I hate to say this to you <laughs> but I do believe we have something and this is a in a way that like I'm trying to think of a good analogy in a sense in the way that like when you dent your car and you get it cleaned it's never truly clean because you know the dent is there. Does that make sense? Like we can sign whoever we want, right? Yeah. And 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 I we, we put together great teams. And and I I know that Doc gets like a kind of uh, he gets shit for for GMing. I don't believe in any of that. I think he's done a great job. I think that he's made uh, big decisions and and took some big gambles that didn't pay off. But that's kind of cool basketball. Like I'd rather honestly, my favorite team. I'd rather have us take chances than be the Spurs every year and not get a championship. And everyone tell us we have the best roster in the world. I don't want that. I'd rather take gambles. Mm-hmm. And and some of them haven't paid off. And ones where he has like personal relationships with haven't paid off and that has made him look a little weird. I get it. But what I think is unfortunately we have to face something bigger. I don't know what it is yet, but it's a lot like in Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Do you remember do you remember playing it at all? <laughs> very very okay. briefly. Before Mike Tyson there was another boxer named Mr. Sandman. And people don't remember Mr. Sandman, but Mr. Sandman was hard. He was almost as difficult as Mike Tyson. But people just go, man, you remember how hard it was to beat Mike Tyson? No, there was something else you had to face before you got to that finale. And for some reason, because of all these strange things, these injuries and the non-calls, these non-foul calls, like on Paul that two years ago, it's like these little things happen and you're like, wait, is it? Is this the thing we have to face? Like, there's almost something and it's spiritual in a way. And yeah. I, don't, I don't mean to get new agey about it, but we have to cleanse ourselves of some weird thing before we face Mike Tyson at the end. And I don't know what it is yet, but it, we have to find our Sandman. And I don't know. I <laughs> that can't, is a beautiful analogy. <laughs> and I can't figure out what it is, but it is, it's something about sort of accepting, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's about accepting who we are and allowing our sort of like blemishes to show. And we're also always trying to be better than the Lakers. And like, we can't make that the goal. <laughs> like, we can't make. They're a D League team at this point. Like we we can't com- we can't keep saying that's our rival. We have to pick someone and we have to go at them. And you know, watching what the Thunder are doing right now has been awe inspiring. Not just for sports, but like for like life. Like mm-hmm. watching dudes step up and streak at the point they're supposed to, and like not be intimidated by what is clearly possibly the best basketball team of all time. They just go at it, and that weird step is something I think our curse pushes us to. 
Because like, how about this? Can I give you another analogy? Sure. What if I told you as a parent, I was like, listen, I love my kids just as all of them as just much. I even love my stepkids, right? That's a nice thing to say. And I believe you. I believe you very much. But we have taken on this thing that we are the stepson. We're not. We're the elite team in Los Angeles right now. And I think that to get over that hump feels like we're always behind an eight ball. So it's almost self-perpetuating then, this curse. Yes, that we think we... we, It's not that I'm saying we think we're cursed, because that... Not necessarily, like, I'm not... I know what you're saying. I'm not taking the court against the Portland Trailblazers (laughs) and saying, we're not going to win because we're cursed. Yeah, this thing happened a long time ago. (laughs) But it is. It's like the Cubs, man. The Conjuring (laughs) 2. The Conjuring 3. It's your number. It's like like living. Uh, I'm saying, like... If we, we have to get over that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, honestly, my book, I know it's a plug, but there's a feeling in me too. Like when Hot Carl failed, rappers especially, you never hear from them again. Like I'm a big, I look at these things before. Like for example, you, you faced a lot of hardships early in your career. Mm-hmm. Those things have defined players before. Right. Okay. J.R. Ryder. There are players, names like that, where you're like, they let personal issues stop them from achieving the highest goal they can get, which we know you can because you're all so talented and you were extremely talented in college and you could have let that one moment define you and you didn't. You kept moving. But if you would have let that be your definition, like sometimes we do as Clippers fans, oh, we're this, we're that. Like, yeah. we always don't make it. Here like, it is again. Here it is. We're the, we're the Charlie is. Brown of basketball yeah. and, and we're not. We're, we're, we're an elite team with, with a roster that's top five, top six, period. And so in Hot Carl, is similar to me, which is like, I could have been like, I'm a failed rapper. It didn't work. What am I going to do? Instead, I felt bad for myself during the offseason and got back up and was like, I'm going to do some other things and just and try other irons on the fire and redefine myself. And I think the logo didn't do it. I think certain things didn't do it that we thought would. And now it's about sort of taking that bigger step. Should we have changed the Clippers name? <laughs> you know what? It's I don't think so. Really? I don't. I don't think so because I don't think that's the curse. I'd like to think it's the curse because it's not our name. It's it has you don't nothing think to do that with they should disassociate the condors. The condors, the, the, the Los Angeles condors, Jay? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't, don't think we should have become the condors. Ch- all right. For, hold on. A I'm a fan. By for the way. record, I said this on my Twitter account. I'm a fan. I wasn't initially that excited about Chuck, <laughs> but Chuck is awesome. <laughs> I am a, a fan. He's a great. Is Knox a fan? Uh, Knox has been to one game. He was terrified of Chuck. <laughs> That's our problem with Chuck, I think, is that he was supposed to be friendly for children yeah. and instead looks like he's about to eat your whole family. Uh, I, I am a fan of the attempts. I'm a fan of Balmer. I think he's the most exciting owner other than Cuban. I think that those like there's a lot of things going on. Again, I think we just have to address who we are. We don't have to prove anything anymore. Yeah. Let's just go out there and, and, and be the best possible team you can be. And, you know, I... I will be there. I have been there when it's been way worse. I will be there forever. But the point is, is that I think we just need to readjust. I, all good thoughts. Like, are you, you're actually, your thoughts are so positive and inspiring. I'm, I'm ready to go work out right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> That's it. I'm in. I'm down. I just, bring me in. I'll, I'll talk to the team, man. I'll, but, look, I'll look Paul in the face and be like, listen, man, I don't know if it was a two-year contract you needed. I think maybe it was a one-year. But either way, let's do another one. Be positive. I, I'll do that. Uh, Bring me in, coach. So, so that everybody knows, this is actually—I should have said this at the beginning, but like you and I have never met before. No, we just talk on Twitter. Yeah, (laughs) we met on Twitter. Yeah. So, if you go on your Twitter account and you go to like your uh, notifications, yes, there's a little tab that says verified. Yeah. And well, for verified people. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen. If you're a verified Twitter account, you can see other verified right, right, people. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. I, I should have said that. <laughs> you literally just were like, all you normies. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Sorry. 
But anyways, <laughs> I I did that one night, yeah. and I was I went on. I was like, oh, this is a new feature. What is this? Yeah. And it happened to be I don't know, maybe a, a night after a game or something. And um, <laughs> and there was some. It was either Jensen Carp has followed you, or Jensen Carp retweeted. A Knox video. I don't know what it was. Well, that would be creepy, JJ. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. something happened. So I think like, it was me and Kumail Nanjiani. I think, no, I'm saying for real, yeah. from Silicon Valley, I think me and Kumail yes. were yes. talking about Clipper basketball. And I was like, who, who is this person? <laughs> and you, honestly, I think you had tweeted something funny. So I was like, all right, his Twitter bio makes absolutely zero sense to me. <laughs> right. But I really, I didn't, I had no idea. And I was like, I'm going to follow this guy. And sure. And through that, we've uh, forged an online friendship. Forged, forged an online friendship yeah. is a good way, a good way to describe it. Like to catch a predator, <laughs> but, but much better. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is better. Like it is cool though. In in 2016, to be able to like get a hold of someone, you know, or like, hey, I want to go on this dude's podcast. Like, there's, not, there's not that many hoops that you have to jump through anymore no it's and that's been a lot of my career is like i had a comedy i wrote pro wrestling i wrote monday night raw was my first room and i'd been in rooms before but like as soon as twitter allowed me to write jokes all day long because i was just tired and wanted to write stuff because i wasn't in any rooms like that helped me get out there and so like there are situations where i've been hired like i've written the espies the last three years um and so like they basically know me from sports jokes on twitter I don't know if you want to save this for people to read the book. I'm but down. Let's, let's do it. What I, is it? I, I, I want to know why Kanye West owes you 300 that, I think most people that's fine. It's that allowed. have listened to this yes. whole thing yeah. are now asking themselves. Where's the notebook that J.J. Reddick wrote all his rhymes in? Yes, that's, that is what they're thinking. I'm going to edit that part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, Kanye West owes me money. We were friendly when we were younger. Like he was just coming up as a producer. Wouldn't even admit he was a rapper. We worked together on a song, and he lived with his mother. He talked about this all the time. He lived kind of a couple hours, like like an hour away, uh, kind of in Jersey. And uh, he would take the train every day to, to record at Baseline near Times Square. And so we worked on the song that ended up coming out called Armando Sante. And he was like, "Dude, I gotta go because it's my last train." And he wasn't like the crazy person who can like rant about jogging sweats. Like, yeah. like he like was a normal person. And and he said, uh, I got to go. I was like, well, no, because we're still recording and I like hanging out with him. So I was like, you're a friend and we should hang out. And so he was like, well, I can't really do it. I said, well, I'm going to rent you a car service and I'll have a come here. And because I had all this money from rapping yeah. and I was like, let's utilize it. And the car will wait for you and then it'll eventually take you home. And so the car, he was like, I, I can't do that. I was like, you have to do it. He's like, well, I'll pay you back one day. And I was like, well, you don't need to. And he's like, no, I'm going to give you that $300. So it happens. The car takes him home. He's happy. Two ways were the hot thing. Two-way pagers. Yeah, sure. So he would like two-way me. Like we'd talk and he'd be like, remember that $300? And I was like, dude, I don't need it. Like I don't want it. Don't worry about it. And then he'd do it again. And then after a while, when someone reminds you of a debt a lot, you're like, yeah, that guy owes me 300 bucks. Like you remember yeah. it. And so he starts to blow up. We keep in touch a little bit, sort of by two-way. Uh, John Legend comes out. I love John. Uh, it was a great record. The first one used to love her. I loved. And then uh, through the wire, he got in the accident. We talked during the accident a little bit. And then when through the wire came out, I, I was talking to him a lot. And then we just stopped talking, not because of him blowing up or and no reason. Yeah, yeah. But the, one of the last conversations we ever had was him reminding me of the $300. <laughs> so now it's like I've watched him blow up. I've been proud of him as someone who was in the journey early. Uh, but I still think deep down, I go, every time I go, man, I could just, if you could just give me $300, the story would be over. And we are still at the point where he owes me $300. And there's a lot more. Like, that's one story in the book. And it goes into a lot more detail. But uh, there's a lot of those kind of stories in the book. Oh, that's a great story. And there, I, there are a ton of great stories in the book. And I'm willing to write you battle raps. We're going to get to that in one second. <laughs> Once again, the book, 
I feel like I'm like a talk show host. You're killing it. Like, Dude, there's you're no not, one. You're not really coming on to, by the way, you're not coming on. This is not like just, I, no. he didn't pay me to come no, on. No, we're friends. Me, but like. Yeah, we're internet friends. <laughs> we're internet friends. But also like, I started reading the book and I was like, oh God, he, Jensen sent me an advanced copy. Yeah. It's the unedited version. Yes. It has, I don't it know has this, typos. I don't know that all this made it. <laughs> it made it. I've been made it. Yeah. No, but it's, it's, it's really funny. It's Thank a great you. book. It's called Kanye West Owes Me $300 yeah. and Other True Stories from a White Rapper Who Almost Made It Big. Yes. And again, we're going to go back real quick to the battle rap part. You actually wrote me... I did. Some, some battle rap. Very specific yeah. battle raps for okay. you. So this is what I've been doing for the last week is really just writing battle raps for celebrities. That's it. Just okay. that's it. So these are some that I wrote you. We'll start with the very soft one, okay. and then we'll go into meaner ones. The first is uh, it's the vertical podcast where JJ raps. It's like it's all you'll talk about this summer, like Durant contracts. Very normal, very yeah. easy, not mean. Okay? okay, not mean. Let's get to meaner. <laughs> JJ Reddick from the three point line ends in applause. I got a podcast so good I made you love Spencer Hawes. <laughs> that's great. That's not an easy podcast thing to do. Yeah. At all. Spencer, I love you if you're uh, listening. It's fine. Uh, JJ's the Duke villain, so you're getting torn apart and leave you missing in action like your name was Cherokee Parks. <laughs> Duke joke. Very easy Duke joke. Yeah. Uh, you think you got skills so you can live another day. Listen, that's hard to say, like Luke Bamute. <laughs> name joke. <laughs> Uh, hold on. Uh, by the way, that, I love that there's different types of oh, jokes. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, name bars. Is it there's, name bars? Yeah. Make it funny your name. Yeah, very easy. <laughs> These are easy. Uh, all right. Uh, you're a D League rapper. I'm going to pick round one. I feel like, hold on. I got to do this one good. You're a D League rapper. I'm going to pick round one. You make me feel like Doc Rivers because I'm coaching my son. Very easy. And then next, the meanest, next. The meanest one. The meanest one. Uh, you think you could step, dog? That might be a glitch. It's just not a good fit. Word to Josh Smith. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. <laughs> See, I go for the neck, man. I go for the bars. Okay, I just want to say one thing real quick. In fairness to me, all right, in fairness to me, yes. I did I not write them. these. I said them. They're Jensen said them. On a little he card. He wrote them. Yeah, I And wrote them. also, in fairness to Jensen, yeah. as we said earlier on the show, anything is on the table in yeah. battle rap. Oh, please. I was soft. I could go, <laughs> yeah. listen, I could go, I could go much harder, guys. Yeah. You want me I'm, to go? I'm actually worried. <laughs> I'm actually worried if I ever do battle rap, James Gordon, <laughs> the things that James is going to say. Oh, please. I could go on for days. Uh, all right. Before I let you go, <laughs> um, as you probably know, we do a four on four. Yes. So this, this week's four on four, I want to know your four best lyricists ever. Okay. And, you can have different criteria for it. Yeah. I might chime in if I agree or disagree. Yeah. And I also might maybe add a couple that I think you maybe omitted. But I'm going to go a little obscure. I knew you were going to do this. Which I don't know if you want. Do you want me to go non-obscure? Um, I'll, I'll allow you Let's one say, obscure that's person. Fine. I love that. Okay, my obscure person is Pharaoh Munch. Okay. Who who that's we brought obscure. up? No, for the listeners, maybe. Okay. It, oh no, I'm not going to go like a guy grew up in Reseda. <laughs> like no, <laughs> no, I'm not going to give toothbrush. you yeah. toothbrush. Toothbrush is a killer. No, I'll I'll do I'll do normal. I'll say okay. So Pharaoh is in my top my top four. Okay, and then let's go not so underground. Maybe it's more backpack. I'm saying I don't want to go backpack. I will say Nas yes. is pretty much untouchable. Yes. Right, he's pretty much untouchable. So we have we have him. We have Pharaoh. We have Nas. Um, Lyrically, I still I know it's a played out thing to say, but Big L. Oh my God! Is if you break down things that he was saying, like Big L passing away, it was a tragic death. He was murdered. Opened the door for Jay. 
Like, without Big L's death, Jay-Z is sort of a yeah. secondary Big L. So if you don't know who Big L is, that's worth looking into. He's an incredible lyricist. 95 freestyle. Incredible. Yeah. If there's one song to listen to. It, and he also has a, a, a Bobito and Stretch, this, yeah. this uh, radio show that, that was on forever and a great documentary out right now. There's a freestyle with Jay-Z and Big L. Okay. That's sort of the reference. And yeah. uh, you'll know who would have been the bigger star. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, you'll hear that freestyle and be like, oh, the other guy was incredible. He also did, on the same album as 95 freestyle. Yeah. I think it was the same album. He did a song with Tupac. Yes. Well, that a, I don't know if the, how legit that was. It's very uh, weird well, as to if the lyrics were made yeah, for each other. But yes, they did yeah. something where there they, was a song. They mashed them up. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Uh, and then I, I think I honestly I think I'd probably. I mean, I'll go obscure again. That's fine. I want to. And because you brought up Pac, and Pac brought this guy up once. Um, but if you're a battle rapper and you liked Eminem and you liked sort of sort of jokey rap uh, with punchlines and hardcore hip hop, there was a guy named Chino XL. Mm-hmm. who sort of created metaphor rap, which is like what you do, you know, which I do every time, which yeah. is like, it's like this and like that. Yeah. Chino was the first dude to do it. It was definitely the biggest influence on M. So those would be my four. But listen, Jay-Z's great. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's my four and a half. We, we always, you always have to say that, like, you can't talk about anything related to hip-hop yeah, and not mention it. Jay-Z. You have to admit it. He's great. How yeah. could he be bad? I think the most impressive thing, honestly, though, is the longevity I mean, especially in hip hop, because hip hop is not like, it's not like rock music. No. Where like you, like I, I can play, I'm going to bring up the Beatles, but Please. I can play a Beatles song and everybody knows it and it'll probably, you know, it'll, it'll get some good vibes. Yeah. You know what I mean? The Eagles. Even though you hopefully. don't fully get them, but yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Even though I think they're way overrated. The Eagles, yeah. Hotel California. Yeah. But know. also, can I give you another Beatles yeah. analogy for hip hop? Yeah. No one says that Meet the Beatles is the best Beatles record. Mm-hmm. No one. Yeah. But in hip hop, all we say is the first record is right. good because we don't like seeing them develop and grow. We like yeah. them when they're their hungriest. Yeah, yeah. And so like. No one says Illmatic isn't Nas's best. No one says, you know, Reasonable Doubt is Jay-Z's best, really. He's his hungriest. So, like, we don't let rappers grow that way. So that's a big difference, too. It's very true. Yeah. But but what I was going to say in terms of Jay-Z's longevity is hip-hop is so tied to, like, what's current in terms of culture. Street, yeah. Yeah, what's what's hot in the streets. Yeah. And, and to see him evolve and stay relevant. It's yeah. pretty remarkable. Oh my god, he's been that he's been the no one dude to no do it. Yeah, no yeah he's the one better. the one dude who can still fill Dodger Stadium twenty years later. It's, I don't know if I could ever talk about like lyricists without talking about Tupac. It's I mean it's it's a real and, thing. And part part of it too, like my my rhyme book was not just like raps, and I didn't I didn't really write battle raps. I mean I wrote lyrics that were like very sort of in your face, at cutting, times. yeah, but. A lot of what I wrote, and they were, you know, I actually shared some lyrics with um, Sports Illustrated and got universally panned, but I'm okay with that. Like, whatever. <laughs> well, Sports Illustrated, the very esteemed lyric book. No, yeah. but no, it's uh, so, but it, it, like there was a, there was a poetic element to, to the way that Tupac wrote and the way he rapped. And, and I, and I think that's why I love Nas too, both their, you know, in their content, but also their, their delivery. Those two for me are like, you know, my all time two favorite. Sure. That would make sense. Who's filling out your four? Oh man. I mean, you mentioned big L it's, it's where does Biggie fall? If you put Tupac, I mean, I like Biggie. I like, I see, but you were a pot guy. Yeah. See, I was a Biggie guy. Really? Yeah. I I like East coast hip hop. Okay. Can I tell you, Pac was an actor to me, man. 
it's still good but he went to he went to like no, acting know, school like and it's cool it's still great but it's like i remember him when he was in the movie nothing but trouble with digital underground yeah. like it was hard for me to then be like oh you're a total thug but yeah. i appreciated everything he was doing but i was like we have a guy biggie who's been spitting the same thing since he was 14 yeah and we have video of him doing it at 14 and then we have another guy who went to school like holly robinson do you think that that's still an issue in hip hop though? No, no one gives a shit. Authenticity. No, me no and you cares. care. No, 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 it's just no me one, and you. No one cares, right? Yeah, it's just me and you. And I mean, like Rick Ross can rap about whatever he wants to rap about. It. It doesn't Dude, have to be authentic. No, he admits it. He's like, yeah. I'm playing a character, yeah. and and everyone's like, cool. I mean, it's just yeah. a different era, and I actually think it's probably better. I mean, I'm not looking for the you know to, for it to become pro wrestling, but I'm cool with characters, and I don't need you to be. 100% you. I mean, that's great for me because like nowadays I would just rap out like mortgage and dry cleaning. So it's good, it's good to be able to rap out other things. <laughs> I'm changing diapers. Yeah, Yo, I'm killing it. Knox is right near me. We be living. No. All right. So B- Big L, I, I mean that you mentioned him, I would have to put him third. And it'd be hard for me to not have like a four on four best lyricist ever just because of the influence in terms of like where I was in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, 15 years old when his first album came out, like Eminem, yeah, man. like Eminem for me, still a great lyricist. Um, I'm not saying like these, like for me, Nas and Tupac are my favorite lyricists and my favorite rappers ever. Mm-hmm. Those are my two favorite. Yeah, but you know, I, I also love to live quality. But my four would be Nas, Tupac, Big L, and and Eminem. It's a good one. You know, when I plug Silver Sun pickups on here. I've noticed on Twitter, like people are listening to Silver Sun pickups and they're asking me like, what's a great album? What's a good starting point? What's a good song to listen to? Whatever it may yeah. be. And then they, they tweet me a couple of days later. Hey, this is great stuff. I'm really hoping that people go and listen to Big, Big L. Big L? It would be yeah. great. He's an incredible lyricist. I mean, I could throw out two other ones if you're looking for hip hop from sure. the golden era. I also always turn people onto an album by Camp Low. Uh, which was a group around the same time, 94 or whatever, Uptown Saturday Night, is a great record. And then uh, Grave Diggers, Six Feet Deep, the RZA record with Prince Paul. It was like when he was doing Wu-Tang at the same time. Those are great golden era records that most people have never heard, um, similar to Big L. All great stuff. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Oh, my Jensen. God, thank you. This was, this was awesome. I'm going to go find that book. <laughs> I'm on my way now. It's going to be like me in a Nick Cage film. It's going to be me searching throughout the U.S. for this, this hidden book. We're going to edit that out. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. We'd like to thank today's guest, Jensen Karp. Remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to the podcast. Also, please tweet me at JJ Reddick for any questions and comments. I always enjoy hearing from listeners. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, SeatGeek, SoFi, and Mac Weldon. Be sure to support them the way they support us. I'll catch you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.